Hello? Am I there? I'm there. We're there. Excellent. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, let me just pull this table nearer. And uh, there. Oh, excellent. Oh, let's move that down as well. There we go. I can see your lovely faces. Well, at least half your lovely faces. Uh, anyway. Uh, okay, so we're, we're carrying on this morning with our series in the book of Acts. And um, called From Neighbours to Nations. And... What? Oh, a bit boomy. There's something I need to do. Is all right. Um, and I don't know if you remember on the first one, Goff preached the first um, in the series, and he gave the illustration at the beginning of that of um, the Book of Acts being a bit like his kind of family calendar. Uh, in, you know, he does every year. He gets the photos from the year, puts them in his calendar, and you've got these memories, these snapshots of um, the, the, the Hope family life throughout the year. And it sort of stuck in my mind as a, as a way of thinking about the book of Acts. Over this 30-year period, um, Luke, who writes it, um, he, he records these kind of key snapshots from early church life of what it was like and the continued works of, of Jesus through his church. And we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 2. Marcus spoke last week where Peter, what's known as the day of Pentecost, Peter had got up and spoken about Jesus to people in Jerusalem. Many people from all sorts of nations had gathered there. And we start to read the effects then of after Peter got up and spoke about Jesus, what happened next. So Acts chapter 2, verse 37, I'm just going to read through to verse 47. It says this, now, I'm reading from the NASB, so it might be slightly different, um, your, your translation, but um, says the same thing. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, sisters, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Marcus spoke about that last week. So I'm not going to go into that today, but if you want to listen to that, go back to Marcus's excellent preach from last week. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I've lost my place. There we go. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. We're far off. And your children and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So then those who received his word were baptized. And that day we added about 3,000 people. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together, had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want to focus in on the phrase there, they were together. It's at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 as well. And also the word fellowship um, that's in there as well. You know, I'm sure many will know it means going together, you know, it's partnership together. But I want to focus on this. They were together and ask kind of what did this embryonic community look like? What were the kind of um, the, the sort of the key hallmarks of this community? And why were they 
together as well. And stating the obvious, the first thing to say is this, they were together because of Jesus. Okay, it's fairly obvious, but that's the reason they were together. Um, I don't know if any of you use social media or whatever, I'm sure maybe some of you do, and uh, I, I'm on Twitter a little bit, I don't really tweet much as such, but I like just seeing what's going on in the world. I like following different people and different groups of people just to keep, yeah, what's, what's going on? What are people saying? What are the kind of themes and what's in the news and so on? And one of the person, people, persons, person I follow is Russell Brand. Now, Russell Brand, a comedian, um, writer, um, podcaster, YouTuber, does all sorts of things. On Twitter, he's got around 11 million followers. And I've mentioned before in this setting that he's kind of started this kind of community deal. And I, one of his tweets said this, hey, do you need love? Big capital letters in it. Then sign up to my community. So I did. I thought, do you know what? Okay, I'll sign up. No, don't, don't worry. I'm not leaving to follow Russell Brand over Jesus. But I thought, no, I'll sign up and see kind of what, what, what comes back from this. And and so I signed up to this community in terms of the, my email, and I got an email back saying, sort of welcome, with a little video from Russell Brand saying, welcome new members, it's great that you're with me. And I started to listen to it and think, well, what are the themes that he's saying here coming through? And he starts to talk about the need for community. He starts to talk about having a plan. He's talked about the teaching that's going to take place through books that he's read, people that have influenced him, through words he talks about being connected and changing the world and finding solutions to, 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 to get us out of the mess that we are in. He even talks at one point about being saved. And he refers that to the 12 Steps program that he went through because he came out of addiction. And I found this just interesting that as you start to think about this need for community, there is something absolutely inbuilt in us to be together with others. And, and, and often, though, you find at the centre of these things is, is someone. There's a personality, there's a leader, there's someone who's saying something, teaching something, saying, hey, here's a mission, we are in a mess, and here's the way to get out of it. This is shot through all sorts of movements and gatherings of people. And, uh, you know, we are, we're all looking for it. You might be here this morning, you might be just sort of thinking, well, is church got anything? Is Jesus got anything? And what does all that mean? You might be looking yourself. In his book, Lost Connections, this, this book um, by Johan Hari, who Elton John says, this amazing book will change your life. And in there, one of the chapters, he, he talks about the reason for our anxiety and depression is because we've lost this connection. We've lost this sense of community with other people. And so we're all looking for it. We all recognize our need for it. And for the Christian, for the church, the reason we're together is because of Jesus. And, you know, again, if you're here, you know, Jesus claimed to be God, right? Jesus isn't saying he's just another human being. There's a, there's a uniqueness about the claims of Jesus and not got time to go into them all now, but this is not just another human being that we're kind of saying we're following. And I'd encourage you to look into that and look into his claims or come and speak to me afterwards and I'll hopefully point you in a good direction. You may have questions around that. But we are together because of Jesus. They were together because of Jesus. They heard the message they heard Peter unpack who Jesus is, that he's not just another man. They heard, Jesus, they heard Peter unpack the message that Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, all the worst, the evil in humanity, uh, taken upon himself in our place. 
They heard this message of there's forgiveness of sin, that God wants to be reconciled with us, where we're separated, out of community with God, saying that through Christ we come back into community with God. This is the message that was preached. And it says that 3,000 or so responded to that message. They got baptised. They went under the water. This picture of dying with Christ buried with him in his death, raised to a new way of living. I'll encourage you, if, you are, if you're saying, yeah, I follow Jesus and I believe in him and I believe this message, I believe this stuff about Jesus and I've received this message, get baptised. And if you're not baptised, get baptised. I'm sure we can baptise some people here whenever we want to. <laughs> you know, so come and speak to us. Or if you're in a life group, talk to your life group leader. Come and chat with us today, whatever. Get baptised. Easter Sunday's coming up. Great time to get baptised. So maybe then, but come and speak to us about it if that is you. And so they get added into this community. And interestingly, this is, Jesus prayed a prayer in John chapter 17. And what we start to see in Acts chapter 2 is that prayer being starting to be answered. In John chapter 17, he says this, I ask for those who will believe in me through their word. And he's talking about the disciples, like Peter. He said, I'm asking, I'm praying that those that believe in me, they put their trust in me through their word. Well, Peter preached. And he says that they would be one, that they would be together. There would be a unity. And Jesus says they would be one as we are one, referring to his Father, the Trinity, the God relationship within the Godhead, who God is in his very nature, his community and oneness and beautiful unity. And Jesus is praying that there would be a beautiful unity among people who are galvanized around Jesus. And it's interesting when you see, or at least I find it interesting anyway, when you start to realize how different the disciples were. Yes, they were all Jews, but really, I mean, they're different people, different backgrounds, and they're unified around Jesus. And then the early church, as you go through, you see this Jew and Gentile coming together. You see this story that is played out through the book of Acts, and it's fascinating to watch that, that it's around Jesus that they gather. And Jew and Gentile were a little bit like this, oil and water. I've got oil and water in here. And... And and, and to bring unity among people, well, do you know what? I can put some human effort in. Okay, great. Keep doing this, you know. It sort of stays together, doesn't it, for a a bit. But eventually, this will separate. It won't hold together. You need another factor in here to hold things together. And it's like with um, vinegar and um, and oil as well. They separate You can shake them for a bit and they'll hold for a little bit. It's like when you've got your kind of dressing on your salad. You have to shake it a bit. Don't just tip it. Shake it first. Unless you have what? What do you bring in to bind oil and vinegar together? An emulsifier, something to emulsify them. Egg yolks do that. And so as you add the egg yolk in, it brings it together. And Jesus, the gospel, is able to bring people from diverse backgrounds, social backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, Um, experience backgrounds, religious backgrounds, spiritual belief backgrounds together and we're unified around Jesus. He is the reason they were together. He is the reason we're together. And if you look around, look how diverse we are. All right, don't. You know, (laughs) I know it feels awkward, doesn't it, when someone says, I can't turn around, look at someone, nothing come weird. But we are, we are massively diverse. And, 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 and I've said many times, we would not be in the same room together if it wasn't for Jesus. I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for Jesus. 
And, and you look at the church and there's this beautiful unifying deal where we keep Jesus central in the life of church, that he pulls us together in unity. And that doesn't mean there are no difficulties in church life. It doesn't mean there's not relational difficulties. It doesn't mean that you look back in church history and see it's all been smooth. In fact, when you look in the book of Acts, you see Barnabas and Paul have this sharp disagreement at one point. And they go their separate ways. I'm glad that's in there because that can be the reality sometimes. But thankfully, the gospel worked on both of them and they came back together again. It's so important in church life that we, we keep Christ central in all we do. That we don't build church around a, a, a sort of charismatic personality, a person, a human being, around a leader. We don't do that. And I think that the scriptures give us the kind of way of not doing that, which is keeping Christ central. He keeps you, you know, you don't put people on pedestals, but having plural leadership. That we don't put one leader above others in any shape or form. We never do that. I think the key to healthy church life, keep Christ central in your life, but in your, in your personal life, but in your community life as well. We make a big deal about him. And it says here that they did this by devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what was their apostles' teaching about? Jesus. Yeah, again, if in doubt in church, don't know the answer, say Jesus. It's Jesus. It is. It's Jesus. Devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's what they taught about. Paul says, I preach Christ. That's all I've got to say. John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was preaching, what did he do? He didn't lift himself up, even though crowds were coming after him. Jesus turns up and he starts pointing to Jesus, says, go after Jesus. And he sends some of his disciples, you need to stop being with me now, go with Jesus, go with him. And then he says these beautiful words, John the Baptist, he says, I must decrease, he must increase. Jesus is central in church life. He's the one that galvanizes together. He's the one that keeps us together, not through human effort, but through us all focusing on him. I'm breaking a bread as well, they did as well. Communion, we're going to be doing that in a bit. Keeping him central. So they were together because of Jesus. We stay together. We go on together. We stick together. We work through things together relationally because of Jesus. The gospel helps us in that. To love one another and to keep deepening in that love as we go on in our lives. That's the deal in church life. Centered around Jesus. Second thing is they were together in prayer. And I'm not going to say a whole load on this at all because... And this will come through as we go through the book of Acts. But, um, you know, they were together in it. The Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father, give us. There's something corporate about this. And just encourage you, this coming, Marcus will say more at the end, I'm sure. But hang on, let's, we've got the bags here, haven't we? Look, I'll show them now as well, look. These um, little packs for next week, we're having a week of prayer. Um, each day there'll be different themes for the day and... Uh, and excellent prayer cards in here that you can take home with you as well. There's a little prompt to pray throughout the week. There's going to be videos. There's stuff for children and so on. Prayer is central. And praying together is central in the life of the church, isn't it? And so we're going to be doing that. And uh, we're going to be gathering then and throughout the week in gathering points as well as 24-7 prayer online. You can sign up for a slot. Who signed up for their slot? I can't encourage you. Go on our website. You can sign up for a slot throughout. That's us praying together. They were together in prayer. So they were together because of Jesus. They were together in prayer. And then we see this, that their togetherness was expressed in practical ways. Acts 2.44, we read out, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone 
as they had need. So that's sinking a little bit. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. Who wouldn't want to be part of a community like that? Where people are not kind of me and mine. Well, yes, we own stuff. The Bible doesn't say don't own things. But it does say sometimes maybe sell them or give them away. And I've heard loads of stories over the years here in this church of people just wonderful generosity, helping one another, doing this in all sorts of ways, not kind of trying to hoard things. Jesus spoke into this. I mean, our culture, it is a materialistic deal. We're a consumer culture. It's just a matter of stuff we consume. It was estimated, I don't know what the final total was, but for Black Friday um, in the UK, it was estimated, do you know how much the UK were going to spend on Black Friday? Yeah, billions. Yeah, 4.92, I think it was. Billion. 10% of the global spend, apparently. Wow, it's a lot of stuff. I bet a lot of it came from China as well, but that's another conversation. <laughs> 4.2 billion. And yet Jesus lovingly, graciously, but clearly challenges our, our relationship. And I say relationship deliberately, our relationship to money and stuff. He says things, don't store up treasures on earth. He says you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and wealth. And he warns against the deceitfulness of wealth. He said that the deceitfulness of wealth can kind of grow up and choke the life. Our faith can choke us. We need to listen to what Jesus says. To be free from that. He frees us up. And what frees us up is not thinking, well, well, I better do that. What frees us up is understanding the gospel of grace and the generosity of God in Christ. And wow, what we've been singing about and talking about this morning, what we're going to celebrate when we take communion today together, this is the generosity of God in the person of Christ. It is the grace of God lavished on us. He's not a stingy God. And it's because of the generosity of God, suddenly your heart starts to change. And it's like, you know what? Oh. I can start to give and freely and not because I feel I should do or I ought to or because someone's kind of banged the drum enough times and I feel well, a bit of kind of, oh, I feel a little bit better now because I've given. Not because of any of those reasons, but out of grace. That's why I love it in 2 Corinthians that Paul says it's the grace of giving. Excel in what? The grace of giving. Not in the obligatory nature of giving in the kind of should do's and ought to's and have to's and I hope I kind of make God happy and oh, I better do it. Because we get to, because we're freed up from the gospel, from these things. That's why we give regularly. That's why we do one-off gift days. That's why people are doing this across the church in all sorts of organic ways throughout the week, helping one another in all sorts of things. And it's just wonderful. So they were together and this was expressed in practical ways. And this was that working of their love for one another, wasn't it? It was... And Jesus said it's going to be your togetherness, your love for one another, that is going to be one of the clearest voices of the gospel to people looking in. That's what Jesus said. That people will know that Jesus was sent because of your unity, your love for one another. 
That's why we go for this. That's why we don't give up on it. That's why we do go to one another when we fall out with someone or someone says something we don't like. We say, hey, did you really, did you mean that? And I took it like this and, and, and it hurt me actually. And, and can we talk about it? And we pray for each other. We do those things because in that we're, we're applying the gospel to our lives and, and, and forgiveness and grace for one another. And in doing so, we're being a witness as well in working these things out. It's so important, so, so important. So their togetherness was expressed in practical ways. They were together in prayer. They they were together because of Jesus. And finally, they were together in their homes and around their tables. Now, look, I know with COVID, (laughs) this has been a struggle. (laughs) Having people in our homes, around tables, over food, and it's been wonderful. We've been able to make the most of it with Zoom and and things like that, and meeting outside. We find ways to do it, but... So I say this with all of that in place, that we've got to find ways of walking through this and hopefully out of COVID and back into this again when people are around our tables more. But verse 46 says, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together. And yes, breaking of bread there could be referring to communion, taking that bread and wine and celebrating the story of Jesus in that eating together, eating their food. There's something beautiful about that. And this has been a key value for kings since day dot. (laughs) It continues to be a key value that throughout the week, outside of here, we we, we eat together. We we, we try and be with one another. That's why life groups, life groups, learning, integration, friendship, and everyone a witness. Integration and friendship is right there at the heart of our life groups. It's so important. And one of the things we do is trying to eat together. And so I'd encourage us all, of course, we're trying to work our way through COVID and different ways of doing it and so on. But when we can, let's start to explore again just more people around our dinner tables. So important that we build those relationships. Um, there, was, there was one magazine I read once of, of a guy who'd become a Christian from a Muslim context and he'd come out of that. And because of that, he'd, he'd been... Um, uh, he'd been ostracized by his, his family. He'd lost connections with his family, cut off from his family. And then he started to become part of a church. And, and he said these words, which, which challenged the socks off me. He said, I gave up everything, including my family for Christ. And all I got in return was meetings. God, keep us from that, please. God, keep us from that. This is why we bang on about home. And even here, the King Centre, home. We want it to feel like home. And we know that it's hard when you've got lots of people kind of coming into a building and so on, but we want people to feel like home. In what we do here, Marcus used an excellent phrase, the kitchen being the heart of the home. All that we do in serving people throughout the week and in, in, in the things that go on here in King's Care. I loved it downstairs where um, I walked in on one week uh, to the Thursday group and they're all sitting downstairs on these chairs down. It was like a lounge and it was just lovely. I wanted to go and join them. I couldn't, but it was just beautiful. And it's a wonderful picture of home, even in our building like this. And so we want to keep that flavour of home and family and togetherness shot throughout it. I mean, I love it that we've eaten many meals in here, haven't we? We've sat round tables in here. I think we had 400 at one point round tables in here and all sorts of things. And so when we can do it, it's great to do that, but actually in our homes as well, throughout the week, 24-7. I just love hearing stories as well. Of, um, of chatting to someone maybe who's not been coming very long and they say, oh yeah, so-and-so invited me. I'd only been here a week or so and so-and-so invited me to their life group and yeah, and I'm plugged in there. Fantastic. That's how it's meant to be. 
That's how it's meant to be. You know, and, and same with when, what happens when someone comes into your home? What do you do? Sit on your sofa, twiddle your thumbs a little bit when they walk in the door? You know, ask them to let themselves in? What do you do? Hopefully you welcome them. Hopefully that's what you do. You talk to them, hopefully, as well. It'd be weird, wouldn't it, if you went to someone's house and they opened the door and looked at you and then they walked back in the other direction and didn't say a word to you? How would you feel? This is our home as well. And who's the welcome team? We are, genuinely, all of us. Every single one of us. And sometimes that means stepping out. I'll tell you, it's hard with masks as well, isn't it? I have a trouble now. I think, do I know this person or not? Because I've only got half their face now. And it was hard enough before sometimes. Think, do I know them? Have I met them? Have I said hello? We've got to get over that and just go, do you know what? Do I know you or not? <laughs> have I said hello to you before? And speak to one another and welcome one another and integrate other people in and welcome them in around our tables and, and keep this flavour. Don't allow COVID, we're not going to allow it to rob us. Okay, we're going to keep leaning back into it as it's safe and being careful and all those things. We want to keep leaning into this. They were together in their homes and around their table. That's the church. That's a snapshot of the church. They were together because of Jesus. They were together in prayer. Their togetherness was expressed in practical ways. And they were together in their homes and around their tables. The worship band want to come back up. And uh, just want to refer back to Goff's family calendar, this snapshot. This is what it looks like. I'd encourage you in your life groups this week as you discuss this, spend some time in it, read it through and read it through again and, and, and ask God to help us do this and work out what does, it apply, what does it mean for you to apply this this week. What's it going to look like for you to live this out and continue to live it out? It's just been so central for us as a church over so many years. So let's continue holding this uh, together working it out and keeping Christ central, the cornerstone, the one. He holds it all together. And so we're going to just sing again. We're going to celebrate who Jesus is. Then Marcus is going to come and lead us in communion, in taking bread and wine together. Because he's the one who holds, he holds our lives. And he holds us together as a church family as well. So should we stand? I'd like to pray and then, then we'll sing. Yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm just massively grateful that, that you hold it all together, Jesus. I'm massively grateful that, Lord, that we're not looking to another human being, we're not looking to another person to galvanize us together. But we're looking to you, Jesus, the author of life. The Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all things were made through Him. I thank you that's the one we're looking to. All the stuff we've heard this morning said and sung. It's about you, Jesus. And I'm just grateful that it's you that holds us together by your Spirit. And it brings the Spirit of unity and deep love. And I thank you we're not trying to love by pulling our socks up and trying harder, but we only love because you first loved us. And that's what I pray for, Lord, a, a greater knowledge of your love for us that would be seen and outworked 
in all sorts of wonderful ways. Continue to be outworked, Lord, in our relationships with one another. A deep love, a deep love that flows from knowing you, Jesus. And so we just come back to you. We talk about the community and praying and all these things, but we come back saying, Lord, it's you that holds us together. You're the reason we're together. No other reason but you and what you've done for us. And we thank you, Lord, what it says after that, that the Lord added daily to their number. And it's what you did, you added. And so, Jesus, as we do these things, our expectation is more and more people get added into the life of the church family and into the love of God. And we pray that over these coming weeks and months ahead, we'd see that more and more in your name. Amen.